The calendar says December. There's different theme music on this podcast. It can only mean one thing. It must be the Christmas season. Now, before we jump into what we're jumping into, let's remember that health and wellness really challenging during the holiday season. So let somebody help you out. And I have an idea. Let Angie Niska from Rise Nutrition help you out. You can get a free wellness profile by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. And you can find her on Facebook at Rise Menominee. That's Rise with a Z, Rise Menominee. Now, for me, growing up, Christmas was nothing short of spectacular. I loved it, and I'm not going to lie, a big part of why I loved it was because of what happened at church in that season. Now, if you grew up in any sort of mainline denomination, you probably celebrated Advent, and as a kid, Advent just makes you lose your mind and get so excited because you know there's all that anticipation leading up to Christmas, right? Like you're just counting down the days. We all know it starts when the toy catalog shows up. Back in the day, remember, you'd get the toy catalog and you're like, it's Christmas time, even though it was probably October. So that's where it starts. And then before Christmas, about a month before Christmas, is the start of Advent. And maybe your recollection of Advent has to do with a calendar with a bunch of chocolates in it, which is fine. My recollection of Advent certainly includes that, but also includes every week before Christmas, there was an Advent wreath. You guys remember this? Advent wreath. Each week, another candle would get lit. And so you show up to church, Advent season is beginning, and then they just light one candle on the wreath. And then the next week, they light the next candle. And it's like you can just feel Christmas coming. And then, of course, this will make tons of sense to those of you who grew up Catholic. But then you get to Christmas Eve. And, oh, my goodness, it's the best. Because it's the best because we had midnight mass. And, again, church just built up this anticipation so you've got the advent wreath the lights are all getting lit and then you get to christmas eve you have to wait till midnight to go to church and then we're like having grasshoppers and doing all sorts of fun christmasy stuff of course probably making cookies i don't remember i was just so excited and then you show up to church and we got there at 11.30. Why did we get there at 11.30? Because dad sang in the choir, and there was basically a mini choir concert before church that day. So we show up at about 11.30, listen to dad sing in the choir. Super awesome. I seriously loved it. I'm not joking in any respect here. I totally loved going to church, watching dad sing in the choir, going through midnight mass. You get home at like one in the morning on Christmas morning. You try to go to sleep and you can't. And then you wake up in the morning and it's Christmas. But again, I loved that, like that growing up process. There was just so much anticipation. And I think there's something beautiful. And I think there's even something spiritual about that. Now I'm a little bit older, so I've gone through this season of raising kids. Now I have a couple of teenagers. One of them's out of the house. So I went through that fun stage of like little kids on Christmas. And that was that was what it was, right? Those of you who have ever worked in a church know that, you know, it's a it's a love-hate thing. And that's a little bit of what we're gonna talk about today. Because now at this new season of life and In so many ways, because part of that new season of life also is like a new view of my faith, which is 
been happening for about a decade now, but you know, for the last five years or so, I haven't been on staff at any churches or religious organizations. And so it's like this, the veil has been lifted. Now I get to look at things and specifically holidays. I get to look at them with a really fresh lens. And so that's my hope with this month of podcasts is we're going to talk about different parts of the Christmas story throughout the whole month. And we're just going to try to look at it with a fresh lens. That's my only goal. I don't have any grand promises for you, but I know a big challenge that we have when we've kind of let go of some of those traditional things that we have become so used to. Maybe there's a lot of you out there that are like me that don't have a church community or a faith community right now. And you're just trying to, you're coming up on this Christmas season and maybe you had a childhood like mine where, you know, church was such a part of Christmas and now you don't really know what to do with that. So my hope is that as we go through this month, maybe Maybe we'll be here at Jesus Never Ran. Maybe this will be a little bit of that home base for you. But maybe even more importantly, you'll get some good perspective of, you know, what you want to do with this holiday and how you want to view this holiday. My ideas are not the right ideas. It's just hopefully a little bit helpful for you to hear how I'm processing this and how I've heard other people process it as well. As I mentioned, I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Christmas, and this is for many reasons. Now, one of those reasons is that we have turned it into a high-stress, super expensive holiday full of unrealistic expectations. I was thinking of this podcast before I recorded it, (laughs) and I was watching some... I I had a little bit of space in my schedule this weekend, which is kind of rare for me because I I like to stay busy. And so I watched a football game, and in the middle of that football game, I'm a big Michigan Wolverine fan. I was a big Michigan Wolverine fan. At this point in life, I could care less. But for like old time's sake, I sat down and watched a Michigan football game, and it was great, and they won. Go blue. Anyway, so I'm watching this football game, And in the middle of it, there's a commercial. Now, I don't know about you guys. The only things I watch are usually Netflix or Hulu or something like that. So I don't watch a lot of commercials because I pay like the $5 a month so I don't have to. So I'm watching this football game and I get a chance to see Christmas commercials. And what's the first one that I see? I believe it's a Lexus commercial because I feel like every year it's a Lexus commercial where like the husband surprises the wife with Alexis in the driveway. <laughs> talk about talk about unrealistic expectations, right? Oh my goodness. So I mean that that just got my mind thinking, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I I'm a full-on Santa fan. I'm all good with Santa. And I don't know about you, but there was a, a part of life when I was in the evangelical circles, especially when I was on staff at evangelical churches, where I felt guilty about the fact that I was a Santa fan because it wasn't supposed to be about Santa. It was supposed to be about Jesus. I don't know if you guys felt any of that. So I had like a, a underground Santa love going because with the kids, it was like, full-on Santa with myself. It was full-on Santa, all the decorations. We wrote letters to Santa. We went to see Santa the whole nine yards. And so, but I had to keep it kind of underground because Christmas is all about Jesus, which fair enough, right? But still, I'm a full-on Santa fan. However, Santa puts a lot of pressure on us parents 
man, the guy puts so much pressure on us. I, I mean, for those of you who are parents or even you know, whether no matter where you are in the stage of parenting, if you're a parent, you can relate to this. There is this dude with a bunch of magical toy makers at his disposal. I don't even think he pays them anything. I just think he gives them free room and board and probably some Christmas cookies or whatever. So he's got all these magical toy makers at his disposal who can make absolutely anything a child asks for. And so whatever my kid asks for, is expected to show up under the tree because I'm going to take my child to go see Santa. They're going to ask for something from Santa. They know, like I know, that Santa has magical toy makers. So that thing better show up under the tree, right? This is all good and fine if your kid wants a football or a Lego set. But, I mean, we're kind of an artsy family, so my kids didn't always ask for those kinds of things. And I'm sure I've shared this story before, but it's worth sharing again, that on one particular Christmas, my youngest, Georgia, asked for a a Barbie diamond castle. I don't know if any of you were ever into the Barbie movies or the Barbie shows. They were even as like a dad. I loved them. They were so well done. We loved, we weren't like big into the Barbie dolls, but we were big into the Barbie show. And so at one point, Jeej wanted a Barbie diamond castle. Well, that sounds easy enough. How, how hard can it be to get my hands on a Barbie diamond castle? Well, <laughs> it's, it's really hard because as I looked it up, so I hopped online and I look it up and I discover that this castle is a thing of the past. It's no longer in production. All right, no problem. Craigslist, here I come. You know, this is this was the part of life when Craigslist was where it was at. We didn't have Facebook Marketplace yet. So hop on Craigslist. Certainly somebody has this gorgeous light blue, wonderful castle for me to purchase from them. And so I hop online only to find out that the Barbie Diamond Castle is a bit of a collector's item fetching upwards of like five to $600 on the free market. That's outside of the Christmas budget, okay? So I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? This kid asked Santa for a Barbie Diamond Castle. It's going to cost me five, $600. I can't hardly even find one out there. What am I going to do? Here's the deal. Here's why I know God is real. Apparently, There's a kid in Minnesota who's just looking to off one for like a hundred bucks. So luckily I find this person. I have to drive like two and a half hours in the middle of night. It's snowing. I, I get it. Like I get the Diamond Castle Princess. It was like a miracle. I've never had to work so damn hard for a Christmas present in my life. But, you know, Santa's putting all this pressure on me. So Santa comes through. Thank the Lord. Santa comes through. Christmas morning comes. Of course, the gift is unwrapped. She looks at it and just has this like perplexing look on her face and simply says, I didn't think it would be this big because the thing stood like four or five feet tall. I didn't think it would be that big. And she played with it. I'm telling you, I swear to you, she played with it for 20 minutes on Christmas morning and did not ever touch the thing again. Don't even get me started. I mean, that's just one of the stories. Don't even get me started on the mechanical dog that my other daughter asked for that was supposed to roll over and didn't. Or the live bunny that we got my youngest daughter. And her first thing was, but I wanted a white bunny and it was gray. So the wrong color, right? Santa hooked her up with the wrong color. Or the fake talking parrot who really wasn't any good at talking. I mean... It's crazy. It's crazy how many times like we had to do it because Santa puts this pressure on us, but then it like it just doesn't pan out in the end. So, I mean, I 
I can't even tell you how excited I was when my kids were old enough to no longer believe in Santa. I went from being a big Santa fan to just not being able to wait until my kids didn't believe in Santa anymore because it was like sweet relief. Now it's just like, tell me what you want. I'm going to tell you if it's in the budget. If it is, we'll make it happen. You'll act like you're surprised when you open it. We'll play the game. It'll be fine. But anyway, so (laughs) that was a lot to just simply share with you that one of my hate parts of my love-hate relationship with Christmas is just that we've turned it into this high-stress, expensive holiday. And don't even, I mean, I know I share this every year as well. So if you don't want to listen to this podcast because you listened to the Christmas podcast last year, you're completely allowed to do that because I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this every time that there's this reality. And this is another part of like my hate relationship with Christmas. There's this reality that we make a big deal about celebrating Jesus birth. So much so that I feel guilty working in in a church (laughs) because I want to talk about Santa Claus. So December 25th is not when Jesus was born. And we hear a lot of people challenging us not to take Christ out of Christmas. But the truth is, he really was never in it. (laughs) So do whatever the hell you want with Christmas. The truth is, he was likely born in September, October, based on what we know is going on with the shepherds and different things at the time. The only reason we celebrate when we do is because when the Christian world was working to convert the pagan world, they used the winter solstice celebration to celebrate the birth of Jesus, really just to make it more palatable or alluring to them. Because again, it's all about converting people to believe like we believe, right? My birthday is in September. If you gave me a gift in June, I might be really confused. I'm just saying. Now, I'm confident Jesus doesn't care, but for whatever reason, I do. Okay, so there's a couple of my my hates of my love-hate relationship with Jesus. I don't want to spend too much time there. I don't want this to be a negative podcast. So now... Let's transfer this over to the love part of Christmas because that's way more important. Thank you for uh, allowing me to get that all off my chest. I feel like I just had a therapy session with all of you guys. So (laughs) thank you for that. And maybe it'd be good for you to just take some time and think about what's on your list for the part of Christmas that really bothers you and the part that you really struggle with. Because I think sometimes it's just good to say it out loud. Don't you think? It's just good to say it out loud. So that's some of my hate part. And now let's talk about the part of Christmas that we love or the part of Christmas that I love. Here's honestly, this is the part of Christmas I love the most is simply that Christmas is magical. It just is. I told you a little bit about how it was when I was growing up and how wonderful that was and how many beautiful memories I have about Christmas growing up and the church involvement in that. I mean, Christmas is just magical. The anticipation, as I already mentioned, the lights. Did you guys do that thing? We still do it to this day. Sometimes just drive around and look at lights. We used to do it when I was growing up in southern Wisconsin. We'd take one day and there was, I remember there was this one house that just did it. Like they did it up. And we would go around to a bunch of different houses and then we'd end by going to that house because we knew it was going to be the most spectacular. Now you go around like you can tune in your radio to a certain radio station and like the lights on houses, they move around and it'll go along with the music. I mean, it's it's gotten real. Right, but the lights are just magical, and I when I look at them, I try not to think about their electric bill. But there's always like that 40 year old 
guy part of me that's like, well, I bet that's going to be an expensive electric bill this month. And then, of course, there's the music. Oh, like Christmas music is where it's at. I even one year got to play drums in church at Christmas because there's a song called Little Drummer Boy, which doesn't make any sense because if somebody showed up when one of my kids was born with a drum, I'd be pissed. But still, like the music of Christmas is amazing. All of it. Now, the thing that might even be better than the music are the holiday specials. You know what I'm talking about, specifically Rudolph and Frosty. And, and the Christmas story, if you're going to throw a movie in there. The Christmas story, you know, the BB gun one, you'll shoot your eye out. Rolfie, the whole nine yards. Like, those are my three go-tos for sure. Now, because of streaming video, you know, the Netflix of the world, Prime Video, whatnot, like, we don't we don't get that thing we used to get where we had to find out when it was going to be on TV so that we could plan our day around it and know that, hey, we're all sitting down as a family at 7.30 on whatever day to watch Rudolph or to watch Frosty. And it was usually on like once. Like if you missed it, you missed it until, of course, you got a VCR and then you could record it. But I'm aging myself a little bit. But of course, the holiday specials, just magical, so great. Now, I live in Wisconsin, so for many years... Christmas also has meant that snow comes. And, you know, a lot of times we would have snow in Thanksgiving. We certainly don't this year, haven't for a number of years. But a lot of times, like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, there'd be this lovely snow falling and accumulating on the ground, which is amazing. Like when we get past December, we start to hate snow. Those of you from the Midwest can relate. But up until Christmas, like snow is amazing. Like the whiteness, the crispness, it's just so amazing. The stocking hung by the chimney with care, you know, like the whole, like you could just go on and on and on about things that make Christmas magical. So much magic in a world where we care so much, so very much about facts and numbers and the truth, taking some time out just for some magic is nothing short of perfection. Like just taking some time to stop caring about logic and just get lost in the magic of Christmas. And, and here's the thing. Here's, here's a, a bit of the faith component that I want to bring in today. Our faith, if you think about it, like faith is all about magic. And you can take that word magic out and put something else in there if that feels better for you, wonder, whatever. But really faith is all about magic. No matter your faith tradition... We all believe in some great something out there in the great unknown that is somehow connected to us. And when I think of that in those terms, that is magical. It's nothing short of magical. And I think one of the great injustices in Christianity and honestly in many other religions as well is that historically, we've spent so much time trying to figure out or understand God. And I just don't think that's what it's all about. Trying to put that which was meant to be magical or meant to be filled with wonder or awe or mystical, whatever, again, whatever word you want to put on it, trying to put that into some sort of logical formula, like it doesn't really make sense. Yet because we're humans and we try to get everything in our minds, that's often where we're going. There's this great quote from... G.K. Chesterton. If you haven't read anything by him, you should do yourself a favor. Get yourself G.K. Chesterton's Orthodoxy for Christmas and just enjoy. Such a great book. But in that book, and I don't have the book in front of me, so I'm just going to paraphrase it. He says, there's two types of people in the world. There's the poets 
and there's the scientists. He said the scientists work really hard to try to get the clouds in their heads and their heads split. The poets try to get their heads in the clouds. And I think that in so many ways is how we should practice our religion, not trying to get God into our minds in a logical way of thinking, trying to get the heavens into our head because then our head will split, but instead be like the poet and allow our heads to go into the clouds and just get lost in the wonder and the mystery of God. I think that's really where we need to be. And specifically talking about Christmas, like during Christmas, for the most part, like we set logic aside and we simply enjoy the magic. Now, as I mentioned, for years and years, like for 15, 18 years, somewhere in there, I had been on staff at churches. And so, again, for those of you who've been on staff at churches during the holidays, you know that it takes a little of the joy out of it, right? I remember one specific Christmas where we had to do oh, it was something ridiculous. There's this big church up in the Minneapolis area. I think we had to do upwards of six services on Christmas Eve. The last one being a midnight service because they were trying to <laughs> trying to capture the Catholics or something. I don't know what they were trying to do, but I remember like getting home after tearing down. I think we got home at like 1.32 in the morning. We didn't have time because we were getting ready for all these services. We didn't have time to wrap gifts. So I just remember, I remember wrapping gifts at two in the morning, just dreading that I had to go to bed and wake up in like three, four hours and try to be joyful for Christmas. Now that I'm away from that and have been away from it for a while, one of the things that I've learned to love, I got to remember we're talking about the love part of Christmas, not the hate part of Christmas. So the other part that I've learned how to love ever since, you know, no longer being on staff at those churches is that like, this is a time when most people simply expect to take some time off. Now, like, don't get me wrong. I, I love to work. I love the work that I get to do. I wake up most mornings just pretty excited to get to work. I mean, it possibly too much. Fair to say, right? Possibly too much. I'm super passionate about everything I do. But taking some space to get perspective and to dream about the year ahead, that is, again, like that, that is some sort of magical. I just, that's so wonderful. And it's, it's just this true joy that Christmas time brings. And it's one of the only times, really, if you think about the year, it's one of the only times that our entire culture takes a collective breath and we take some time off. After all the excitement, Christmas Day gets here, you open the presents and you know that feeling. It's like, now what do we do? Like you open the presents, you get to noon on Christmas. Or for those of you with little kids, you get to 9 a.m. on Christmas. And you're like, now what do we do? And that now what do we do part is the best because what that means is now it's time to just take that time, get some perspective, get outside in that crisp air, start to dream about the future. Like collectively as a culture, breathe in and then exhale together. Ah, so good. Just talking about it gets me kind of excited for that week after Christmas. I work really hard in December so I can try my best to take that full week after Christmas off. So there you go. A couple of things I hate about Christmas and a couple of things I love about Christmas. Now, 
I know that many of you who listen, you're struggling with how to understand and how to experience your faith after stepping away from so many of the things that used to be normal for you. I 100% relate because I have gone through it and in so many ways I'm still going through it. So the reason that I wanted to explain my love-hate relationship is simply that it's okay to feel how you feel. It's okay to, to feel whatever feelings you might be feeling right now, as confused as you might be, as sad as you might, whatever it is, just allow yourself to feel it. Because if you don't, you're just going to be pretending and you don't want to miss this opportunity to enjoy the magic of Christmas and enjoy the breathing and the exhaling that we get to do during this season. So it's okay to feel however you're feeling. And I can assure you, boy, I can assure you by the conversations I have every week that you're not alone. So let me offer just a little bit of assistance, whatever I can offer, I want to. And so for the next few weeks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend some time going through some parts of the Christmas story, just opening the Bible, which I know for some of you might bring a little bit of hesitation as sometimes it does for me as well, just because maybe in your life, the Bible was used for negativity. And so I'm hopeful that we can open the Bible to the Christmas story and that we can look at it with some fresh eyes. I'm not saying I'm going to have some sort of perspective that's going to be life altering or anything, but you never know. But my hope is to, to not look at it with a bunch of tradition clouding our view. And I mean tradition in the historical sense, and I mean tradition based on whatever it is that you grew up with. And I love tradition, as I already mentioned. Like I love the tradition of growing up Catholic during Christmas time. But for this season, I want to just take that away, at least for this podcast. And I want to look specifically at some of the major people that we find in the story and and see if there's just a bit of a different narrative that's there. Maybe if we look at the story without an end in mind or a narrative that we need to get to, like if we don't have a conclusion in our mind that we need to get to, that we maybe learned growing up or learned from our church-going experience, maybe we can just look at the story with fresh eyes and, and find that there's some other thing is going on there. Maybe things that we've never even considered before. And I'm hopeful, I'm super hopeful that by looking at the Christmas story in this way, that we will discover some magic and some things to truly consider during the space that we are afforded during this holiday season. So let's focus on the love and not the hate. And just let's just see where it takes us. 